quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her questions via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her responses or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something your future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I used mylifeinabook.com to compile my own stories to give to my daughters for Mother's Day. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code PEACE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code PEACE for 10% off today. I'm Michelle, recovering yeller, control freak, and perfectionist. I didn't want to be a connected parent, but my strong and smart oldest daughter would not succumb to my bribes, threats, and manipulations. After years of control parenting, I threw it all out and started over. I doubled down on the idea of connective parenting and turned in time out for time in. It's taken me years to figure out how to unknot sticky situations without using punishments, but I've finally cracked the code And now I can help you create the relationship with your child that you dreamt of having when you first decided to become a parent. It's not easy letting go of star charts and bribes, but you can change. Listen in as we interview parents just like us who found success and hear from experts who will help us better understand how to form a deep bond with our children. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. Parenting books can be daunting. The length, the amount of information, and the time it takes to read and understand the material. Hand in Hand Parenting has a booklet set that has become what I recommend and use with all of my clients. The Listening to Children digital booklet set teaches you the tools of connection with examples in a concise and easy to read form. Because I'm certified through Hand in Hand and I adore all things connection, I have become their partner. If you buy this extremely useful booklet set, a portion of the sale will go directly to support this little podcast and its production. If you go to handinhandparenting.org forward slash partner forward slash peace and parenting, you can buy these extremely helpful booklets or anything else in their store. Again, you can go to handinhandparenting.org forward slash partner forward slash peace and parenting. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle, and I'm here with the lovely Kirsten who calls herself the Teen Whisperer. And I love that title because, I mean, let's be honest, we all need a Teen Whisperer. It's not an easy time to be a parent, and it's certainly not an easy time to be a child. So she has so graciously decided to come on the show and help us unravel what it's like to parent a teen. And so, Kirsten, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. And thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. And yeah, I've been working with teenagers and families 
for the past 20 years and actually started as a teenager myself. I was mentoring an adolescent as an adolescent and we're actually still close and connected. And my path kind of began there, although it probably began even younger than that. I've always been interested in family dynamics and how to connect and to just find that balance in our connections and in our relationships. So from there, I went on to earn a bachelor's in child and family studies. Then I was a nanny in LA. And then I really realized that I wanted to be with families that didn't have as much extra or as much support. I love the family. I'm so close to them as well that I nannied with. And I realized there was this huge population and I already knew, but I really felt it. People that I could support if it was a good fit and if they were open. So I actually then went on to earn my master's in social work and I had a number of internships and amazing jobs with all kinds of populations from people who were incarcerated to people in recovery to people who were experiencing homelessness and always with families. It's just been a thread in my constellation throughout my life and such joy in my heart. And I really just honored any time I get to walk beside someone during whatever is going on in their life. And that's how I see my work is I am there as a witness and a support and of course a guide when appropriate, but I really believe I'm more of a collaborator and a teammate. And so I was a therapist for a while and that was amazing. And that's really where the teen whisperer kind of came through. I was attracting a lot of families with sensitive young ones. And Mm -hmm. these teenagers were wanting to come to my office and the parents that were engaged, that obviously made things kind of really helped blossom everything because when on the same page, it's a good thing. It was was amazing to see young people just want to come. And I think it was because I was able to really just see them. It was never about changing them, fixing them or making their homework faster or better. It was really just seeing them for who they were right here, right now. That's so lovely. You've had some amazing experiences. It sounds like a whole breadth of things that you've done. And so I'm sure that services your clients well. Okay, great. Before we go any further, I want to ask you one thing in your world that's going well. I like Uh, to focus on good sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Let's start there and we'll grow from there. You know, I think given just everything that's going on in the world. I'm certainly grateful and happy for my health. And I'd love to, of course, see everybody that I love and be doing things. However, health really is wealth. And I happen to be spending a little bit of time on the coast of Big Sur. And so that's the other Mm. good thing. Yeah, I'm in a really nourishing, restorative environment right now, surrounded with hummingbirds and butterflies. Mm ocean so I'm just no I'm jealous are you near Esalen yeah I'm at Esalen and I'm just oh you're at Esalen I love Esalen yeah you've been here yeah lots of times oh wonderful so you know (laughs) yeah you're a lucky lucky lady I'm very lucky right now otherwise I'm in Salt Lake City which is also great but this is a little treat (laughs) that is a big treat I'm jealous big treat I'm jealous. Okay, good. Well, good for you. I, gosh, I'd like to get back there. Um, yeah, I want to. Okay, well, let's dive into, for those of you who don't know listening out there, I have a teen who's turned 15 last week, and I have a tween who turned 12 in November. And I also was a high school counselor and a high school teacher. So I've always loved teens. And now that I have my own, it brings everything full circle and 
meaning to it all. And I have to say that it wasn't easy when my girls entered the adolescent stage. I found they changed very dramatically and I was at a complete loss at first. And I think this is where the divide happens for parents is that they start to really resent their teens because their behavior kicks up in their adolescence. And I think this is where the ball down of our society and our parenting may be, and that we stop feeling not sorry for, but empathic for our children who are going through a hard time because sometimes they don't know how to tell us or show us that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally resonate with what you're saying. First, remembering my days working as a counselor in the middle and high schools and really how difficult it can be for teachers too and definitely for parents and guardians and caregivers. So it's a switch sometimes, you know, every teenager is different, but sometimes it is the big change and it can be hard for everybody. Yeah. So what do you think are the things that parents need to know going into teenagehood? Great question. Well, there's a couple of things. One, I also want to speak to what you were just bringing up, which is I think part of what makes things difficult is our culture Mm -hmm. and young people often, some have an idea of their passion and they want to kind of go in that direction. Others don't know and need, you know, some more variety in their life. And we have a pretty linear situation set up that's not necessarily ideal for all young people and Mm -hmm. the creative people. You know, our school systems are pretty linear and pretty kind of boxy. So I just really want to highlight that sort of just our structure. Yes, it works for some. And then there's some that it really doesn't work for. And that makes it hard for parents and teachers and definitely young people. So there's a little bit of natural kind of struggle along with the developmental stages. I mean, so young people are some of that pushback, some of the attitude, some of the behavioral stuff. Like you said, sometimes it's because they don't know what's going on or don't have the words to express. Also, what's happening is they're, you know, young people are forging their own identity and they are really trying to make, you know, their autonomy known. And so sometimes that's where these arguments or battles or pushback can come from is really, if we think of it as I'm my own person is what they're saying, or I'm trying to become my own person separate from this family. This can be part of what's going on there. And it's quite natural. Yeah. I like how you say it's natural because it is. And I think but we don't know that or society doesn't help us understand that this is developmentally appropriate for your child to stand up for themselves, for them to say no, for them to want to, you know, push away and for them to want to be their own person. And we're so worried that something's wrong and that we've done something wrong or our child is not right or not okay. Because like you said, they're not fitting in this linear situation that we've created society where we say, well, you have to go to school and do activities and do X, Y, and Z and get good grades and do all these things in order to be a successful person. Right. And what we're seeing, especially now is, my goodness, we need a variety more than ever. And we don't Mm -hmm. just need young people who are going to be submissive and just check the boxes or do what doesn't feel right in their heart. And we're seeing all this. And I think the part of us that the part of parents, guardians, or any adult that's like, well, we just got to do X, Y, Z. It's just the way it is, is the part of them that was told that when they Mm -hmm. pushed back and weren't given the space to be who they were. And Mm -hmm. yes, of course, we all have to do certain things. However, we can, in those moments when that stuff comes up and it's hard, we can validate it before we move on to completing a task. Yes, sometimes we do have to complete it, but there's always 
or there's often space to talk about how it's maybe not the most fun thing or why we hate it. And that's okay. Like that's a point of connection actually. And that's one of the things yeah. uh, we can talk a little bit more about, but I definitely yeah. have some tips for parents that want to kind of know what some pillars might be to make this whole <laughs> stage a little easier. <laughs> yeah. I think those are good. Let's hold off on those because I love this conversation about that children are this like idea of over compliance mm. and that it's not okay to say no. The other thing when you were saying like tasks, it's not okay not to complete. I think it's okay if you don't want to complete a task. I tell my girls all the time, if you don't want to do your homework, don't do it. Honestly, mm. like, please don't do it. It's okay if you don't want to do it. And mm. sometimes they'll say, well, don't I have to? And I'm like, absolutely, you do not have to, but you're going to have to deal with whatever the consequences are. Not from me, I don't care, but from whoever the powers that be are. And often they'll do it. They just want to be told like, it's okay not to. And also I know it, like you said, I know it sucks. Yes, you're speaking to my heart because this is actually so often the conversation that I would have either at the schools or in you know my office and still to this day, which is all digital coaching currently, mm-hmm. but wherever they're at is okay. And I mm-hmm. absolutely have that same response and what it offers obviously is validation, acceptance of where they're at, and then also gives them a choice, you know, as mm-hmm. you said, and yeah, there's natural consequences. And these are some of the best ways to learn about the world. And that way the parent doesn't have to be the bad guy. You continue to be a teammate and a collaborator. And yeah, we don't want people saying yes when they mean no. I mean, this brings up mm-hmm. Kent as a whole concept. Yeah, I like that. And the whole idea of being the bad guy, because I think of it like this. My relationship with Esme, let's say, for instance, is not worth a Spanish assignment. It just isn't. Yeah. Like, I want to do whatever I can to preserve the relationship I share with Esme and I am not going to get into a kerfuffle about a Spanish assignment. It's just not going to happen. Right. The relationship is the result is one of the things I often say. It's not a completed assignment because in the scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. And what does matter is the relationship, is the connection. Because when that big stuff in life is going on, we want young people to feel like they have someone to talk to. If it's their parent, yay, that's incredible. Yeah. If it's their parent, yay. If you've created the relationship, if you work on connection, I'll tell you this for reals, like with Esme, if you work on connection, you will have the relationship. It won't be perfect. They'll still tell you no. They'll still do the wrong thing. They're still going to try to sneak out at night, but you can have a conversation about it because they're not scared of you or they're not scared of a consequence or they're not scared of rupturing the relationship they share with you because it is so tenuous. They know you're solid. When you're solid, then there can be all these ups and downs and things will end up okay. Exactly. And of course, yes, expect the sneaking out, the trying things, the risk taking, this is all part of it. And yeah, wouldn't we rather them young people have someone to go to than to be in a tough situation and not have a way out? Yeah. I attribute all of the major shifts and changes in my parenting to Hand in Hand and Patty Whipfler. I could not have achieved the inroads to more connection with Esme and Pia without the hand-in-hand parenting approach. I owe this method and my sanity to their tools. That's why I've become an affiliate partner of hand-in-hand parenting. Purchasing their products using my affiliate link directly supports this little podcast at no extra cost to you. I recommend the Listening to Children digital booklet set to all of my clients. It perfectly explains the listening tools and has been something I constantly return to myself. 
These tools are the heart of what I've learned myself and what I teach my clients. If you go to handinhandparenting.org forward slash partner forward slash peace and parenting, you can order them and also support this podcast in the process. So go to handinhandparenting.org forward slash partner forward slash peace and parenting and learn the essence of connective parenting while also supporting the peace and parenting podcast. I will also put the link in the show notes. I often encourage some of the parents that I work with that idea of that relationship being solid. That means when your kid is out at a party and they have the option to call you or get in a car with someone that's impaired, they're going to call you and then be able to come home safe. Things like this. Yeah. As we said, she goes, I want to try pot. And I was like, okay, well, what do you know about it? And so she was like, I don't know, mom, it's a herb. And I was like, sure. Okay. What else do you know? She's like, it's legal. I'm like, it can be. What about illegal pot? What do you think about that? She's like, well, I don't know. I was like, well, illegal pot can be laced with things. It can be come from places we don't know. It can have chemicals in it. It can have all these things. So it opened up this whole conversation because she wasn't scared to tell me that that's what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so now I have a tiny bit of itty bitty bit of influence with her, right? I have this itty yeah. tiny bit and I can just use it hopefully. And she'll hear what I say. Like, don't smoke illegal pot. It might be laced with God knows what. Right. And exactly. And that influence is so massive. This is, you're just speaking to everything in my heart. And because, you know, despite what we think, young people actually do want to know what parents and the people in their world think and what they know. They're very curious. And sometimes it's as simple as they don't actually know some of these things that we find maybe obvious because we've been around the block. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So tell us your tips. What do you think? What would you tell parents who are struggling with their poor, sweet teens and tweens and they're just having a really hard time connecting. Yeah. Something you spoke to earlier is actually at the top of my list. And it's that when you're solid, then they can come to you. And that's sort of this idea of knowing how to self-regulate, which is so important and something that I feel like isn't talked about enough. And so learning how to breathe, stay present, and really just be in our body with someone else in a difficult situation as is without trying to move it or shift it and just really embracing the now. And it doesn't mean things won't change or there isn't problem solving later, but how do we self-regulate so we can really show up solid, like you said, for these waves that are inevitable? This is one, just sort of getting in touch with this part of ourselves. We all know how to do it. Yeah. Or do we? (laughs) (laughs) I think we do. And maybe we've forgotten and maybe the world gets so overwhelming that we don't have time to practice. And it's not that it's necessarily the easiest thing. I just have so much faith that we are able to do this and more capable and amazing than we remember and know sometimes. And it's different for everyone, but sometimes it's breathing. Sometimes it's having a counselor, coach, or putting our feet on the ground or having a weighted blanket or not eating sugar. I mean, it can look like all kinds of things, but what helps you stay centered? Yeah. I always tell my clients, like, if you have to walk away, do it because it's better than blowing up. Yes. Right. We can say we need a pause. Yeah. Hold on. I got to go pee. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever it is. We could eat great. And that's actually a beautiful thing to model too, because a lot of us, you know, we're modeled different things than that in our own childhoods. And I think this is part of what we're outgrowing and that we all really deserve better than to be exploded on. Yeah, we do. And so that's one. And, you know, another one that's sort of under, well, not talked about a whole lot, but so important is really, that goes hand in hand with self-regulation is really knowing how to listen. 
And so many of us, and I've been guilty of it too, and I continue to practice this every day is listening without waiting for someone to stop talking, trying to change their mind, putting our opinion in there, just really listening full on curiosity, like magic, just mm-hmm. re-diving this, you know, this kid's world, for example. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I think a lot of us, and I do this all the time, I'm listening to form my own statement next instead of listening for understanding. Exactly. And so when we actually listen, you'll feel it. We will feel it. We'll feel a difference. And then this is where we can actually find common ground. We'll understand their values. They might share something that's really hard for them. And when we're in that space, we'll also be able to hear, I think is really important when they are open to sharing. So often parents, when the kids come home from school or when there needs to be something that's done, well, you know, parents might say like, have you done this or how was school? And that's not necessarily when young people want to talk. It might be when they're stressed out about their homework or their friend just said something not nice or they weren't invited to a party and they say, ah, I hate this or I'm mad at this or why is this happening? That's the moment. So when we're actually listening, we can see those moments and then we can engage there with validation and support. Yeah, I like that. I think so much, my dad, we were having dinner with my dad and he immediately says to Esme, so how's school? And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Like, that's all you have to talk to her about? Like, don't ask the 15 year old how school is. They don't want to talk about school. No. And so she's like, um, it's fine. I got to go. You know, so like she just got up and left and I was like, dad, can you lead with something else? He's like, I'm just trying to be inquisitive. I'm asking her about her life. I go, yeah, but school, come on. Like, they don't want to talk about that. And I don't think that us adults realize that that's off-putting. Yeah, young people can be so sensitive to agendas or inauthenticity. And not that he wasn't being authentic. Of course, you know, he was doing his best. And that paradigm is shifting. And now it's like, what do you hate about the world? What do you see? Just, you know, speaking to their mind, which, again, if we don't know where a teenager's mind is at, we're not going to know this, but... So often it's about, you know, what's fair, injustices, black and white, sort of right and wrong. And there are a lot of young people that I know and that I work with are incredibly curious about the hot topics Mm -hmm. of the world, whether it's climate change or sexuality or politics. I mean, there's so much going on that they actually are opening their eyes to and kind of for the first time in this young adult way. Yeah, she has major political views right now and very strong and very well-versed in what she has to say because I think it's all, like you said, it's brand new and she can't believe this stuff is going on and she's so flabbergasted and good for her and she's trying to form opinions around it and very strong-minded around it. And it's like, see those kids grasp these ideas and really run with them and experience life for the first time in a lot of ways. It's exciting to watch them. It's really exciting. It is a, I mean, it's a difficult time and it's also a really exciting time just in the world. And yeah, to be a young person seeing all of this, because now we really are seeing it on Mm -hmm. our phone, inundated with so much information, videos. And this brings up all kinds of emotions like your daughter's probably feeling and what's on their minds, what's in their hearts, what are they seeing and what are they feeling? And there's so so, so much juiciness. And no wonder for many kids, algebra is not at the top of their list. No. And I said that to him, I go, well, you should find out what she's excited about, dad. You should find out what she's interested in. He's like, well, how do I do it? I'm like, just ask her. 
Yeah. And he was like, oh, you're right. I'm like, so when she comes back, <laughs> here I am coaching my dad. When she comes <laughs> back, ask her, like, what are you interested in? And he was like, well, I know she likes all this skincare stuff. I was like, well, ask her about it. <laughs> and so I think that's part of it too. Like find out what your teen is interested in and get involved in that and find out ways to engage them in that sort of conversation. Cause they'll go on forever. If you find out what their hot button is. Exactly. What their values are, what they're interested in. And I mean, in nothing, we know this, I mean, I can't necessarily quote the studies or cite them, but, you know, we see this over and over again, that having purpose and meaning along with connection during these hard times or during any time is just a lifeline It is really just the light and the spark of the day. And whether it's skincare or politics, or maybe you're someone that does like algebra, you know, the, mm-hmm. let's really join in these meaningful acts, ideas, and this is connection. And this is really how we're going to keep making it. (laughs) Yeah, it is connection, relationship. And I think the other part that we didn't talk about yet, but I'd like to just squeeze it in here at the end is that punishments and consequences and shame and belittling and embarrassment. I know none of us really want to do those things, but I think especially in the teen years, if a child does something wrong, I wrote about you today that Esme overcharged on her credit card and charged to Uber where she shouldn't have. And, you know, it was something that it was a limit and she went over the limit. But a lot of people, I think, would ask me, well, what do you do when she does that? How can you teach her that that is wrong? And a lot of us think that the punishment is the way to go and that that's going to teach our children right from wrong and keep them from making more mistakes, especially our teens. And I'd say, I think just the opposite. I really truly believe in my heart of hearts that it makes everything worse and you will lose the respect and the endearment of your teen if you go the punishment round, especially in their later years. I love how bold you share that. And I think for the most part, that is pretty much true. And maybe there's some outliers, like if there's some issue, but I think it always comes back to that relationship. I mean, if that's there, the punishment isn't necessary. I feel like, you know, this idea of punishment is so last resort. So I don't know what to do, sort of like just the last option or something. And then it becomes the basic. And you really do lose, like you said, that adoration and connection and relationship, or you can. And, mm-hmm. you know, as someone who's been a good chunk of my master's program with people who are being punished to the ultimate, as in, in, our, in prison, this is just the bigger kind of... Yeah like the overarching view or kind of the other end of a spectrum of what punishment can look like, but it's not working there either. And so, you know, no matter where we're applying this punishment, it doesn't seem to be supporting decision-making or connection. It does seem to be quite traumatizing and it can be really disturbing. And this isn't to say boundaries and structure can't be helpful, but yeah, that punishment and saying you're wrong. Ooh, it's just like, yeah. ah. Really, I'm, I'm over here, like I'm shaking my head. Yes, yes, yes. I like, I'm like, <laughs> I talk about that too. I'm like, the prison system is just the prime example of it not working, and that yeah. people need connection and relationship, and that's what moves behavior. The other part of it too is that kids really do learn right from wrong within the first couple of years of life. Within 18 months, they say a child knows right from wrong. So when Esme made those charges on her credit card with Uber, she knew it wasn't the right thing to do. And she did it anyway, because she made a mistake because she's human, because she's a teenager and because she's trying risky behaviors and because she's making a mistake like anybody would. 
but she knew it wasn't right. And Mm. she so much as told me so right away. And, Mm. you know, it's just like, that's okay to do something wrong. And I think that's where our society has fallen down is that we say children have to be perfect. Their behavior has to be perfect and that they cannot do things that are wrong. And if they do things that are wrong, we're going to make them feel bad about it. And that somehow is going to make them feel better about us, which never really works. No, it doesn't. And it's this whole, and really the punishment is way more about, here's what you get for inconveniencing me and my, where I'm at sort of as the adult or the parent or the guardian, you know, is like, it really feels like it comes from that place sometimes or parenting out of fear, like worry that they'll continue and they'll be a bad person, a quote, bad person. That's what I think is it's fear. You think your kid's going to be, you know, charging up everyone's credit cards for the rest of their lives and have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt on credit cards. That's where I think people go. If I don't stop it now, they're going to be horrible people. Right. We must have received this message somewhere along the way. And oh yeah. Obviously, I'm just kind of speaking to what you said, you know, this is sort of the culture that we're in is not very flexible. It's pretty power struggle dynamic-y and it really doesn't have to be, you know, some of the most amazing relationships I've seen are, you know, with young people and adults is when the adults treat the young person like they're an adult. And, you know, some of my most amazing teachers and mentors as a young person were people that saw what I loved. They honored what I love. They saw me for who I was, not for marks or perfection, but just who I was. And it yeah. sounds so simple, but it is like, wow, I feel seen. I matter. Yes, that's it. You said it all just there. <laughs> I matter. That's so good. Mm-hmm. You say it too. You really, you know, your work and what you share really speaks to a special part of me. And I think a special part of all of us that knows something deeper, something truer. And, you know, part of it is just unlearning some things that we've picked up along the way that may have served us or may have served someone and reorient back to what's real and back Mm -hmm. to what matters. (laughs) And like you said, does have the power to actually change behavior. It does. All of it. Yes. Amazing. Such a good way to end it. Like I think this connection and relationship and that's it. That's all you need when you have teenagers is connection Mm -hmm. and relationship. Life will teach them the rest. Or yeah, (laughs) the hard way sometimes, which is, I think that's another part. It's like, we have a hard time watching our kids suffer through these events that are difficult because we remember how hard it was. Yeah. And to some degree, we don't want to see anyone suffer, especially our family, our loved ones, our children. It is so painful. And then when we do find those ways to be in that together, it feels different. Mm-hmm. Realize yeah. what we can do together, what we can withstand, what we can actually feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Thank you, Kirsten. <laughs> this was so lovely. Is there any last <laughs> things you want to say? And then also tell us where we can find you. Sure. Gosh, I feel like we really dove into the heart of that in the best, most amazing way. Maybe just reminders that it's not personal. Mm. This is good for all of us and all of our relationships to not take it personally and whatever it is and look a little deeper for some clues. There's always clues in the behavior. It is a way of communication. And then, yeah, people find me at kirstencobabe.com or you can head over to Instagram, which I'm at kirstencobabe. And I would love to see you there and say hi if you do. Head my way. Yeah, her Instagram has lovely information and great ideas. And I like how bold you are about talking about teens and 
It's a great platform. So you should find her there for sure. And we will link it in our show notes. And maybe she'll come back again and do some more talking about teens at some point. Anytime you'd love. Okay. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the Peace and Parenting podcast. And we will see you guys next time. Speaking to Kirsten really brought to light just how important our relationships with our teenagers are and how without them, we have little influence. I want to reassure parents out there that it's never too late to forge deep, meaningful connection, even at 18, even with adult children. If you want to know more about my one-on-one course where I help clients find this ever-elusive connection, click the link in my episode notes or find me on Instagram at Peace and Parenting or my website, peaceandparentingla.com. I look forward to connecting with you. Much love. Until next time.